Hello, Heritage family and friends, wherever you may be listening from, welcome as we open God's Word this Wednesday. Today we're going to be opening Genesis chapter 1 and look at who our God is. You know, a big God theology is crucial to the Christian life. Remember that old children's song, He's got the whole world in His hands? Well, is your God a big God, a God that is overall, controls the chaos, has a purpose and a plan even when we don't understand? Or is He a little God? who simply reacts to life and to history. You see, the Bible presents our God as a God who is in control, a God who is utterly distinct from the world around him and yet intimately involved in the world he has created. And in Genesis chapter 1, we get a very close look at who this God is. So if you would, let's open in a word of prayer and let's reinvigorate, retill the soil of our theology, a theology that should be centered on a God who is big, transcendent, and good, a God who is big enough to handle our problems, a God who is big enough to handle even the quaking of the world around us, especially when we think about the quaking of our times today. Pray with me. Father, we are thankful for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit and the blessing that we have to be able to know and understand, even in part, who you are. I pray that you would help us to see and understand that you are indeed a big God, a great God, and a good God. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you read Genesis chapter 1, it is the creation account. And we sometimes don't see in Western society how utterly uh, terrific and how utterly uh, different this creative account is compared to the creation accounts of the early world, especially during the time of Moses. Now, if you remember, Moses is the one who actually penned the book of Genesis. Though the book of Genesis talks about the creation of the world, it was written sometime later. Now, sometimes skeptics will say, well, it was written thousands of years later. How can it therefore be accurate? And yet, even in modern history, oral tradition, passing on stories uh, via word of mouth through families and tribes and traditions uh, is something that has been proven to be remarkably accurate. So when Moses pens the book of Genesis during the wilderness wanderings, and this would be a time perhaps in the mid-second uh, millennium, 14,500 BC, 14,500 years before the time of Christ. So still, this is an ancient document, one of the oldest ancient documents that we have in human history and one of the most prolifically copied. And so we're looking at a 3,500-year-old document from our point in history right now. And it describes, as God relayed to Moses, and as as Moses, of course, heard from his uh, people and through the traditions handed down since the time of Adam, again, the creation of the world. But it's not simply a, just a creation account of how God created the world. Genesis chapter 1 is an intimate look into the character and the nature of God. Now, before we read Genesis 1, let's capture some of the gods or the religions of the world and their creation epics. Because during the time of Moses, when he would have written the book of Genesis, uh, we, we know that the gods, are, for instance, uh, that are described in the Enuma Elish, the Babylonian account, they're described as chaotic beings, that creation came out of chaos and war with other gods, and that mankind was created to serve the gods. 
Mankind was created uh, simply for the pleasure of the gods, uh, really no more than slaves or servants to ease their load, actually, in the Mesopotamian myths. So even in the Egyptian myths during the time of Moses, of course, he came out of Egypt with the people of Israel, uh, the gods were often at war with each other. Um, there were often uh, quite sexual descriptions even of their interactions with each other, with mankind. It's just very chaotic. Even looking at uh, later the Greek and the Roman gods, uh, created by other gods, they're not self-existing. Cronos uh, gave birth to Zeus, Hades, Poseidon. They killed their father and then they, uh, they produced other gods. And again, created mankind to serve them, but in a very self-seeking, self-idolizing um, way. So this is the gods of the world, the gods that are presented uh, in the ancient uh, Mesopotamian, Babylonian myths, and even the Greek myths. When we look at our world today, however, the, the, the stories of creation are, are really no less chaotic. Uh, the scientific theories, and they go, of course don't call it creation, they call it evolution, and the Big Bang Theory is creation out of chaos, creation out of destruction, creative out of, out of no intelligent design. It is just simply by accident. Well, what does the Bible say? Does the Bible say that the world began in chaos? Does the world say, does the Bible say that the, that the cosmos was created seemingly with no purpose? Well, let's begin. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So right off in Genesis chapter 1, we see in the beginning, God. Not in the beginning, chaos. Not in the beginning, nothing. In the beginning was a being. A being of infinite power. A being of infinite creative imagination a being of infinite intellect and insight. And this being, God, or in the Hebrew, Elohim, Elohim, the majestic plural, majestic, mighty one, he was there before all else. And out of the quietness of nothing was not chaos, but order, order spoken by the very mouth of God. He created barad, literally out of nothing, what theologians call ex nihilo. Out of nothing, God created everything. God is actually the main character of the book of Genesis. We're, we're, we're meant to see that the, the, that the creation account, in the very beginning, all the way through the six days of creation, the creation of man, that God is the main character. Matter of fact, he's mentioned over 40 times, either explicitly or implicitly, even though there are only 31 verses the greater than 40 times that God is mentioned makes this one of the most uh, densely populated books of the Bible speaking about God. So God's name appears here just significantly to get us to see that creation and order was at God's command. Now, there are three different Hebrew words that are used here to speak about creation. One is bara, which has the idea to create, literally to create out of nothing. And then there's another word that is used to speak of that he made. He, he, it's very interchangeable with create. And then the third word that is used has to do with a fashioning, kind of like a, a potter 
fashioning a beautiful work of art. And it's this third word that is used to describe the creation of man. So the rest of creation is spoken into existence, but mankind is fashioned as a special creation of God. So unlike the other gods of the day in the days of Moses or the gods that are spoken of in the world today where they are gods of chaos, they are gods of of uncertainty, they're gods of self-seeking, this god is a god of order. He brings order over the waters and over the light and the darkness. He brings order into creation by creating life. And life does not come from any other source. Life does not come from his own creation. It actually says that the Spirit gave life to the, um, to the livestock, to the, to the animals of the earth. And then, of course, God gives life to mankind as well. So already we see this God, a God of order, a God of power, a God of uniqueness, a God who stands apart from creation and yet involved in his creation. And then he blesses his creation in verse 22. He blesses the, the, he blessed them when he created uh, the animals and every winged creature. He blessed them saying, be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters and the seas and let every birds multiply and fill the earth. So this God who creates is a God who wants to bless his creation. He actually says multiple times already that the creation he made was good. And this is important because good can be thought of in two ways. Uh, Aesthetic goodness, meaning that it has a a good quality in its its look, in uh, in its beauty, but it's also good in its purpose. That not only is it beautiful, but it also has an important purpose to play in his creation. So it is its look, but also its fit, that it is fit for a specific purpose in God's plan. And if we think about purpose and plan, again, let's go back here, that God said, let there be light in verse three, that when God said, this denotes a purpose, let there be light, there was light, God saw that it was good, that God's creation, as he blesses and as he is bringing about good, it has a purpose, it has a direction. This God is also seen when he makes mankind. Uh, remember if you, if I said, when I said earlier that the Babylonian Mesopotamian epics or religions of Moses' day, and even today, the gods create man simply to serve them. Not for fellowship, not for joy, but simply for service. And yet God creates man and blesses them. He wants their good immediately upon creating them. And this is very consistent with what we see in the New Testament where Jesus, remember, John chapter 1, it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Now, this is fascinating because really John 1 serves as a little bit of a parallel to Genesis. Genesis is Genesis 1 is the creation of the world. John chapter 1 is, is going back to the creation, and it introduces us to the fact that Jesus, the Word, the creating, the creating one, the one who creates Jesus, was there with the Father at the very beginning. So we have uh, already in the book of Genesis that the Spirit of God was there, God the Father is ordering, and that Jesus is there also creating, there at the very beginning. And God, Jesus, from the very beginning, desired the blessing of his creation, desired its joy, desired its, its glory, 
Now, there is a worship component. He wants his worship, his, his creation to worship him, but it is for its creation, his creation's ultimate good, for our ultimate good. And Jesus continues this theme of desiring blessing, even in his very first sermon that he gives. Remember on the Sermon on the Mount? What does he say? He gives a list of blessings. In Genesis chapter 1, God creates and then blesses. Jesus, the incarnate one, the one who is right there at creation, the one who is right there blessing creation and blessing mankind, now comes into his fallen world. And in Matthew chapter 5, what does he desire? Blessing. He gives the list of the Beatitudes, which is Latin, Beatus, for blessing. So our God, unique, standing apart, not a God of chaos, a God of order, a God with a purpose, a God with a plan, a God who asserts his dominion and sovereignty and yet is intimately involved, creating, making, fashioning, a God that when he makes mankind, blesses mankind. And this Jesus, the full picture of God himself, the image of God, Scripture tells us, then comes on the scene to continue that blessing, wanting the blessing of people. And that blessing is ultimately realized through Jesus Christ dying on the cross. And that blessing is given to us through his death. And if we think about who Jesus is as the Son of God, the very creator God, that when he died on the cross, all of creation quaked and shook and even darkness came upon the land and the gospel of Matthew tells us. This is very consistent that shows that Jesus is the son of God. He is the creator God, the God who through his death is going to bless peoples and bring them into eternal life because only God can give life. Only God can give eternal life. He was the one who gave life in Genesis 1 and he is the one who gives life on the cross. And he created the world in perfection and order. And even though it is right now in a state of disorder, he is going to recreate it in perfection one day again. But until that time, this God who creates, this God who desires our good, this God who is above the heavens and who is omniscient and omnipotent, this big, great God, is he not big enough to handle our problems? Is he not big enough to steward history itself? Has God already not stewarded history through so many and ups and downs? And is not coronavirus and our current political crisis and social crisis, is it just yet another thing that God will show himself faithful through? God has good intentions and good purposes from Genesis 1 all the way till the closing of history. He is a good God, a God of order, a God of justice, a God of power, and he is drawing peoples to himself. And I say this lesson today, Genesis 1, looking again at our big God, is don't ever forget how big your God is. If he can breathe the cosmos into existence with a word, and he desires our blessing, why should we fear? If God be for us, who can be against us? What can man do to me? God is my refuge, my strength, my fortress. God is good, enthroned above all, and he is coming again. So let us take hope, brother and sister and friend, in our great big God. And remember that even as Genesis pictures him truly as a mighty, separate, beautiful God, a God who is enthroned and yet intimately involved, may we remember he's right here with us, Emmanuel, God with us, still involved, still working, still desiring our blessing. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this time in your word. And I pray, Lord, that it will be an encouragement to your people. 
I pray, Lord, that you would bring fruit of your word in my own life. Bring the fruit of your word and the fruit and blessing of truth into my brother and sister's lives. To my friends who may be listening, who have not trusted in you, may they see that you are a God who is different, a God of all peoples, regardless of our skin color, a God who desires the blessing of the nations, and that blessing is attained, realized, apprehended, only by trusting in Jesus Christ, the creator God who descended to give life to sinners. Oh God, we entrust our times into your hands. May we remember that you are a big, big God and that you have the whole world in your hands. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless and have a blessed week.